Hey everybody, what is going on? Welcome to yet again another episode of the Slaw Sports Show. And again, just a disclaimer, we said this last episode, but the coronavirus has really taken a toll on the Slaw Sports Show and sports in general. But as soon as content comes out um, in the sports world and gives us something to talk about, uh, we will be here talking about it. And that's the case today, because we're now in April, which means it's draft month for the NFL, the NFL draft uh, later um, I think starting April 22nd um, is the start of the NFL draft this year, and it's coming up quick, and it's definitely going to give us a lot to talk about, and I'm really excited. Um, this year's draft has been one of my favorite events um, in all of sports that I've done so far on the sports show, and y'all can probably see why with all of my mock drafts, player rankings, all of that um, great stuff that I've had coming out on all of plat- all my platforms on uh, Twitter, on my podcast, on, you know, one-on-one sports back at school, and also on my new website I started. Um, So we've had a lot of stuff going out, but today we have a new episode. We're going to have Brad Collier joining us again. Um, You might remember him from our Mock Draft 2.0 episode, but uh, he's going to be joining us today to talk about some of these rookie quarterbacks, and especially right now with Tua Tagaviola officially announcing that he is healthy and 100% ready to go um, upcoming for the NFL draft. So we're going to talk about all of these uh, rookie quarterbacks in this class this year, and there's a good bit of them, a lot of talent. But today's episode, we're slowly going to be focusing on that and breaking down those guys. So I hope you enjoy, and let's go ahead and get started. All right, so we got Brad with us now to you know to start breaking down some of these rookie quarterbacks. So Brad, how's it going, man? Good, man. Doing the best I can in these crazy times. Yeah, well, we're finally in uh, in draft month here, Brad, and on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for this upcoming draft? Oh, 11. I am incredibly <laughs> excited. I wish we would just get here already so all the smoke screens can end and we can get some sports back into our life, uh, all of our lives at this point. So very, 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 very excited for the draft at this point. Yeah, I mentioned in the intro that like with no sports going around, there's just nothing really to talk about. But with this this draft coming up at the end of the month, we're just gonna have plenty to talk about and some of the teams that could sneak up and who's actually you know showing the smoke screen and who's not and who's for real and who's not. Um, so I'm really excited about it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to talk about it. I'm really excited to do so. All right. So the uh, the topic today that we're gonna be talking about is the rookie quarterbacks. And it's a it's a decent class. Um, it's not you know one of the best we've seen. And I mean, position wise, that'd be the receiving group. I would say this year, but the quarterback group, it's still very solid. And you got a couple of guys, maybe you know, maybe four or five. It could be franchise guys in this league. And we're gonna start talking about that. But looking into this draft uh, late this month, who's your top guy right now um, in the NFL draft? Well, I think. Just in terms of quarterbacks or in overall players? Like in, in terms of quarterbacks. In terms of quarterbacks, just because of health, Joe Burrow, if all things were equal as far as health is concerned, it would be Tua. I think Tua is a better quarterback prospect just in terms of skill and ability. But with his massive injury concerns, I have to put Joe Burrow ahead of him. So... I would go Burrow and Tua. You know, we talk about franchise quarterbacks. Frankly, I only see the two of them in terms of being a difference-making franchise quarterback in this draft. I mean, that differs based on who you ask uh, about this quarterback class. You know, you said four and five. I would say two. But as a whole, 
I put Burrow as number one just because of health. But if all things were equal, it would be Tua. So I'm glad you bring out um, the health concern with Tua uh, because he, he posted a video on social media, I think a week back, and he's throwing again. And, you know, he's showing off the mobility in his hip and they claim that he is, you know, 100% healthy now. And, I mean, are you really buying that just from what we've seen in, you know, an Instagram video? No, I think he is 100% healthy at this point. But really what, what matters is not the fact that he's 100% healthy now. It's the fact that he's a smaller quarterback who, outside of this one major injury, has been injured multiple times in the past, has gotten surgeries and operations multiple times in the past. And if he's a quarterback who has shown so far with his smaller frame that he's susceptible to getting hurt, facing higher quality talent coming towards him from the defensive side of the ball – if he's on a team who can't sufficiently protect him, this is a player who, again, there are major, major concerns about his ability to stay healthy long-term and to be the best quarterback that he can be. So do I think he's 100% right now? Sure, yeah. But that, frankly, doesn't matter because what matters is his ability to stay healthy over the long-term, which, again, we're not doctors here, but that's a very <laughs> significant point of discussion in this situation. So in a perfect world, if Tua is you know, as he says, 100% healthy, and the team that drafts him puts the talent around him he needs to succeed and stay healthy, will we see Tua actually come back to, you know, how good and healthy he was in Alabama? Like, can he come back to that level and even beyond that level? I, I look at it as if Tua's healthy and he's on a team that can protect him with his incredible accuracy, his quick release, his ability to extend plays with his legs, his great football IQ, I think this is a quarterback who can be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And again, you worry about the health because that is really the only concern here is the health because every skill is there. He has shown his ability to play in high-level, high-pressure games. You know, Some people will argue that he may have been, to an extent, uh, helped by Alabama's incredible supporting cast around him, but I'm not going to penalize him because he had good players around him. Tua, to me, he's a lefty Drew Brees who can make plays with his legs. And to me, even though there are health concerns, if I were to have Tua as my quarterback and I said, hey, I have a good supporting cast and I have a strong offensive line in front of him, I think if he stays healthy, he's a top 10 quarterback eventually in the league. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And if if Tua's healthy and he's 100%, he's my number one guy out of this draft um, at the quarterback position. And it's just... Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's just whether or not he's healthy. And, you know, I mean, it was fun to, you know, ride the Joe Burrow train all year long in college and hop on him after, you know, we hopped on Tua with the tank for Tua before the year started. But, I mean, looking at the numbers... Tua Tagaviola actually, you know, he sustained a level of play consistently the last two years and, you know, the 2018 season, the 2019 season. And Joe Burrow, on the other hand, he had a, you know, a tremendous jump from 2018 to 2019 with LSU. And he had a great supporting cast around him in LSU this year. I mean, don't get me wrong. But also don't get me wrong, Joe Burrow was still a dominant quarterback this year. But what worries me is the fact that in 2018, he threw 16 touchdowns. In 2019, he threw 60. So is he going to, I mean, how much around it was Joe Burrow? How much around it was his cast around him? And can he, you know, 
keep that level of play going into the NFL season. And I just don't really see that. And that's really not really a topic that I'm like, you know, hearing much about, but I think Tua is more sustainable with a level, uh, a quality to great level of play than Joe Burrow is. Yeah. I think you, I agree with you about what you said about how it hasn't been talked about enough. How, you know, even though you could say that it was the best year for a quarterback in college football history, Joe Burrow, frankly, is a one-year, one-year, I don't want to call him a one-year wonder, but he's a one-year guy, right? Yeah. He, he was not this player or close to this player before this and was not on the scene as being really anything in the NFL draft or as an NFL draft prospect and as an NFL quarterback prospect before the season. And now he's the surefire number one pick. Now, I don't want to discount Burrow because, again, he had what I would consider the best college football season in history. And we've seen that guys who have had these one incredible years, you know, obviously Cam Newton was more talented than Joe Burrow was before he had his incredible season. But again, Cam Newton was the first overall pick after having probably the second best season of any other quarterback in college football history. And he, outside of health, has been a very good quarterback. Now, of course, now he's not the player he once was because of injuries. But the point overall is, I think it's I think it's valid to wonder if, you know, with Joe Burrow only being this caliber player for one year, depending on where he goes, obviously with the Cincinnati Bengals here, not a team who has shown an ability to build a winning team, can he really be this dominant force on the Cincinnati Bengals with how they build their team, with what their front office with owner slash GM Mike Brown and head coach Zach Taylor with all that there? You know, I think it's very valid to be a little concerned as to can we really get the most out of Joe Burrow on that team? And if he was frankly a product of his system for one year, I don't think he was a product of the system. I think he's a very good quarterback. I think would be a very good NFL quarterback, but I do think it's worth it to think about, Hey, this is only a one year guy. Are we sure he's going to be this dominant as an NFL quarterback? I don't think he will be, but I think he will still be a very good quarterback in the league. So you're looking at these two guys with Burrow and Tua. Now you, I mean, we've just pretty much developed two question marks for both guys. And if you're the Cincinnati Bengals sitting at one, you know you need a quarterback at one. And, I mean, there's always the option to trading the pick, which that's looking, I mean, kind of more on the unlikely side at this point. But the benefit of having that number one overall pick is all of your cards are folded over. Only you know what you have. Yep. And, I mean, the Bengals just have to make this decision between Joe Burrow and Tua. And the issue with Tua is if they draft Tua, well, do they have the help around him to keep him healthy? Yeah. I think if you're the Bengals, I think you have to pick Joe Burrow. If I had the first pick in the draft, as much as I love Tua, I really, really do. I've been on the Tua train for years now. With the injury concerns, you have to pick Joe Burrow first overall in this draft. Now, as far as the Bengals, and we talked about building a team around these uh, whoever they pick up that first overall spot, which will almost certainly be Burrow. They went out in free agency and they spent money for the first time in a while on the defensive side of the ball. DJ Reader, Trey Waynes, Von Bell. They signed um, an offensive guard as well. You know, look at the receiver spot. They franchised AJ Green. They have John Ross. So there's talent there. Joe Mixon in the backfield. So I, they need to show a willingness to spend and a desire to improve that they have not showed in the past to get the most that they can out of Joe Burrow. But you know, if I were to look at Burrow and Tua and they stay healthy and in their best case scenarios, I look at Tua and I see a guy who's a top 10 quarterback. I look at Joe Burrow, I see a guy who's a top 
12 to 15 quarterback. Yeah. So I think you can't go wrong with picking Burrow just because of Tua's health. But obviously, if Tua did not have the health concerns, Tua would be the guy there. All right. And so we're going to move into like kind of the second class of quarterbacks, I would say, in this draft. And that will include uh, Justin Herbert and Jordan Love, in my opinion. I mean, I'm sure you probably agree with that as well. Yep. And what is it about these two quarterbacks that, I mean, really is going to shake out where they go into like team rankings, who's going to be three, who's going to be four between Herbert and Love? Well, I think it's also interesting how uh, the Miami Dolphins are really expertly playing the smokescreen game here, talking about their or having it leaked out there that they have this strong interest in Justin Herbert and they'd be fine staying at five and getting him if two is gone. They're really putting out a major smoke screen here um, to ensure they don't have to trade up from five to get Tua if Tua is their guy. However, if Justin Herbert is their guy over Tua, that would be a colossal, colossal mistake. <laughs> um, but looking specifically at Herbert and Love, I'm not crazy about either guy. You know, I like Herbert more than Love. I really am not a fan of Love. I think Love is too erratic. Yeah. In one play, I think there's a great piece put out this week by Robert Mays at the Ringer that really captured the essence of Jordan Love as a prospect. I think really the idea of him is better than the reality. You know, one play he's going to go out there and he's going to look like uh, like a mini-me Patrick Mahomes. He's going to make a ridiculous throw with a ton of velocity into a super tight window. And the next play he's going to throw a horrific interception that goes over his uh, intended receiver by 10 yards. Yeah. So... For Jordan Love, he has to go to a team who's going to really be able to get the, the most that they can out of their offensive players and their quarterbacks. So, you know, there's really only a small a small number of teams out there who I think can really get the most out of Jordan Love. And frankly, it's valid to question whether the ability to get Jordan Love to be better than this erratic quarterback that he showed he was last year, whether that's even possible. So I would not be comfortable picking Jordan Love in the first round of the draft. Frankly, I don't see it. I think there's very strong bust potential there. Um, and yeah, I guess what what would be your take on Jordan Love? Because I think we've differed on this a bit in the past as far as our takes on Jordan Love. Well, when it comes to Jordan Love and then like versus uh, Justin Herbert, and I think you've said this as well, um, I, I think Jordan Love has the higher ceiling. Agreed. But a much uh, lower floor than Justin Herbert has. Cause, yes. Because, I mean, Herbert, he's the same guy he was last year if he would have came out in the yeah. draft. You know, he... Thought about coming out last year, but stayed for a senior year at Oregon. But, I mean, if he came out last year, I think he's in the same boat last year that he is this year because he didn't really impress more his senior year. So I think he kind of just stayed that same level. So I think what you see from Justin Herbert is pretty much what you're going to get. Yeah. And I think, yeah. um, And with uh, Jordan Love, he has the issues. Um, I mean, he had 17 interceptions this year. Yep. And but if if you can groom those issues out, level him out, he just has all that much uh, more room to improve, I would say, than Justin Herbert. Yeah, I would definitely agree. But again, like I said, to get that to really get that improvement out of Jordan Love, there's maybe I don't know at most maybe two handfuls of teams that could do that at the most. Yeah. As far as Justin Herbert, I get the appeal. His, I mean, he's six foot six. He's super athletic. He's got speed. He, he scored in the 96th percentile for quarterback prospects in his athleticism grade at the combine. Just in a physical tool standpoint, you know, if you love physical tools, Justin Herbert has every tool you could want. Tall, speedy, athletic, as I just mentioned. But I, I really question 
I, I look at Justin Herbert, I look at him, he's kind of like if you took Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill and pushed them into one being. Yeah. He, <laughs> at times, you know, he, he has these weird inconsistencies with his accuracy at times. He has some weird inconsistencies with decision-making. I, I don't know if necessarily, you know, he was the MVP of the, uh, the Senior Bowl, but I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable with him in high-pressure situations. I kind of look at Justin Herbert, I see a lot of tools, I see a guy who's not going to be super consistent and is probably, if he matches out at his best overall self, is probably a mid-tier quarterback if all goes well. And, I mean, I just had him as one of my, like, franchise guys, but I don't see him as, a like, a dominant, like, top 10 quarterback. He's going to be, oh, no chance. he's going to be, I'd say, like, in that Matthew Stafford kind of range at quarterback where he's going to be a solid quarterback, but it's, it's just really going to depend on, like, the division he's in. And like you said, I think it's just going to be average at best in the NFL and just kind of just like always float around that, you know, almost playoff tier level. Yeah. And I think with that, it's going to be super interesting to see, you know, I think the Dolphins are putting out the smoke right now. I think their target has been and is to a, and I think they're just trying as hard as they can to get it out there that they might, they might would take Herbert or might prefer Herbert over Tua and have no interest in trading up in five so that they can play the smoke screen. They don't have to trade up to three and they can get two or five. However, I, I don't think it is out of the realm of possibility that Justin Herbert is their preferred guy of those two. However, I think Justin Herbert, if the Dolphins can play the smoke screen to the way that they want to and get two at five and not the trade up, I think Justin Herbert to the Chargers at six would pretty much be a lock at that point yeah. should Tua be the guy for the Dolphins um, and overall I, maybe this is wishful thinking that it's a smoke screen for the Dolphins but I think it would be a huge mistake to go with Herbert over Tua if the Dolphins do so at five which I can't see it happening yeah if they do take Herbert I think it's just more of a kind of just a safety blanket because you know what you got with them and I mean in a division that's pretty much wide open right now in the AFC East I mean you got Sam Darnold Josh Allen and Jarrett Stidham as your opposing quarterbacks in that division. So Herbert's a guy who could come in day one and compete. The issue with Tua is, is he a guy who can come in day one and can, and can compete, or are they going to have to trot out Ryan Fitzpatrick out there, you know, game one? Yeah, I, I think with Tua, you'd probably be looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick for the first year, or initially at least. I think the same for Justin Herbert as well. You know, I think that's interesting that you mentioned all of the um, young quarterbacks in the AFC East. You know, the concerns about Josh Allen, elements of those concerns are there in Justin Herbert. You know, we, we really don't know what we have at this point in Sam Darnold, whether it's a combination of the Jets not surrounding him with protection or quality weapons, and really Sam Darnold not overly impressing, and then Jared Stidham, who knows? So it's going to be very interesting this coming year with all these young quarterbacks in the AFC East, one way or the other, depending on what the Dolphins do in the draft. And I just want to like just throw out my last guy. I mean, because I said like four to five, you know, potential franchise guys in this draft at quarterback. And my last one's, I mean, I think it's Jalen Hurts. I think he could be a franchise guy. I agree. I think that I think that a team like the Steelers or a team that has a veteran quarterback in place that's a good contending team that needs either a high quality backup or is looking towards getting a quarterback in place should their veteran quarterback be on the way out after this year or next. I think a team like that, there is a lot of value in Jalen Hurts. 
I think Jalen Hurts is really being underrated in this overall draft process. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback or anything, but you know, I think Jalen Hurts has the chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I really do. So I think in the late, I think probably the early second, but I think in the late first, early second range, somewhere around maybe 20 to 45, a team in that range that I mentioned of these teams like the Steelers, uh, who have a veteran quarterback who is aging, they don't have the ability to go up and get a high-quality quarterback prospect to groom as their franchise guy. I think that there's a lot of, I think, Real value in looking at Jalen Hurts there. The athletic profile, as we know, big game pressure situations. We have seen it demonstrated by him that he can perform in high-pressure situations. I think there's a lot to like with Jalen Hurts. I really do. Well, with Jalen Hurts, I think the interesting you know trait about him and just like the buzz around him is his pro comp. And everyone's saying that it's Dak Prescott. I can see that. I can so, see that, yeah. So if you go back to Dak Prescott's draft, you know, he's being slept on the draft. He fell late, went to a team with the Asian quarterback, and they groomed him into being a starter. So I think I could see that with Jalen Hurts, and I agree with you with Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh can bring in Jalen Hurts late, have him sit um, behind Ben Roethlisberger, maybe come in if another injury even happens again. But Ben Roethlisberger is on his way out in Pittsburgh, and I think we could see – Pretty much the same situation, but I think the only difference between a Hertz and Prescott situation is that Hertz, like you said, has the play or has the ability to win the big games. He has that, you know, clutch mentality in him that was developed, you know, from Saban and Lincoln Riley. Yeah. And I look at funny with the Dak Prescott picking third round that year, the Browns went with Cody Kessler ahead of them, a rare L for Sashi Brown and Co. Then, <laughs> but you know, I think with Dak Prescott, again, like you said. I mean, that, that's a, an extreme circumstance where you get a guy in the third round and he turns out to be one of the, depending on what your preference is, 10 to 12 best quarterbacks in the league. You know, that, that doesn't happen. But, you know, I, I think the comp there makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, obviously, with Jalen Hurts being, I guess, more overall athletic, you know, creating plays with their leg, with his legs kind of thing. But I think that's a very strong comp. And I think with the Steelers, I think you mentioned there, Ben Roethlisberger is a player who historically and over these past few seasons, and as we saw last year, he gets injured often. You know, yeah. they have a healthy quarterback last year. With that defense, that's a team that makes noise in the playoffs. When Ben Roethlisberger goes down and you're faced with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, you know, your, your season's shot at that point, unless your defense just goes crazy. So I think there's a lot of value, not even in just the fact that you're getting a potential succeeding quarterback, but you're also getting a high-quality backup should Ben Roethlisberger get hurt as he has in past seasons. And, I mean, with Mason Rudolph and, you know, Duck Hodges coming in, the talent around those guys was enough to make a playoff team if you have someone else at the realm, the quarterback. And, like, if that situation were to happen again, say, next year, I think Jalen Hurts could, you know, get them over that hump and maybe, like, secure a late playoff spot, especially with the new uh, rules coming into place next year with the playoffs. Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. All right. You got any uh, last little remarks about um, these rookie quarterbacks in this class? Uh, I guess I would just say overall that I really hope that Tua is able to stay healthy because I think if he does, he's a special, special quarterback. Um, And I think it would be a real shame if the Dolphins basically went for the process for a year and came out of it with Justin Herbert. Um, and I'm really intrigued to see what team 
ends up with Jordan Love. Again, I, I, I think I'm out on Jordan Love at this point, but really wherever he goes is probably going to determine what his NFL career ends up being just because of how flawed of a prospect he is and how much work would have to go into him. And I'm also interested to see, you know, do the Patriots try to do something and get one of these quarterbacks in this first round of the draft? You know, I'm not sure if I would if I was them, but I think it's very much in the realm of possibility. So if they do, do they end up with Jordan Love or do they end up with Justin Herbert? I don't think they do because I think Herbert ends up on the Chargers. Do they end up with Jalen Hurts? I think it's interesting just to see where or how the Patriots address the quarterback spot in the draft. And then also past these four or five guys we mentioned, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, I'm not really in on any of those guys at all, but what teams those guys end up going to as well. All right, well, that's going to do it for um, this episode. Uh, So I want to thank Brad for joining me, doing a little QB talk today um, for the upcoming draft. And it's coming up faster than we think, so it's right around the corner here. And we're just going to keep following it and stay tuned. Um, You want to have any plugs for any of your uh, social medias or anything you got going on, Brad? Yeah, Twitter, Brad Clear underscore. Clear is spelled K-L-I-E-R. After the final whistle with Bradley Clear, available on Apple Podcasts. By the way, Cole, when's that next mock draft of yours coming out? Uh, The mock draft 3.0 actually came out on my website. Um, The website link is in my Twitter, at Slaw Sports Show. Um, So I had a a full in-depth analysis for all the players. And we'll see if we get a 4.0 in uh, before the draft. I'm looking forward to it if it comes out. Well, um... Again, that's all the time we have for today's episode. So, again, thank you, Brad, for joining me. And thank you all for listening. And thank you, Corona, for continuing to delay all sporting events and sports information. Really uh, giving us a little cog in the whole um, podcast wheel here, trying to keep it rolling. But uh, we're going to continue to pump out more episodes as we can. And we're looking forward to the draft coming in in late April. But for now, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.